2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This
3: is the Puck podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis.
0: hello everybody welcome back to puck poolies it's matt larkin here with my pal Stephen ellis we're getting close to 40 episodes in our puck poolies career not quite there but it's close still loving it Stephen. what's going on and how's the fantasy team going well i just got invited to join
3: join a cult so <laughs> uh I, in my direct message is very strange way to start this episode but wow uh yeah the fantasy hockey went terrible this past week uh my my 16 uh league i got beat by the guy who now is first place david he uh he started the year, I think, it was 0-2 and just was struggling, couldn't do anything, and then just everyone started to click. He picked up Frank Fertrano on a whim. Bam, that's been amazing. Uh, he's he's getting, like, 100 more points than everybody else each week. So uh, I need him to have a rough week. He's already off to a bad start, and I'm off to a great start, so there's that. But my other league, I uh, I kind of just kind of got to the point where, I don't know, I wasn't really enjoying it every it, I don't know how to explain it other than it's, it's a scout league that seems to have no communication at all. Hmm. And it kind of gets a little dull and boring. But yeah, yeah that's boring. I lost that one too just because I had four injured players and they have to all be like important players like Jesterkin, Fox, and Hughes. And I forget who the other was. But uh, uh, Jack, Jack Hughes is back. And of course, he doesn't play until Wednesday because of the way the, this weird NHL schedule is. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like these two days of no games. But how about your fantasy
0: team? Well, before I tell you about my fantasy, I just want to know: did the cult offer anything exciting, or no specifics?
3: Oh, it said Zoom meeting, so I don't have to go in person. So I guess that's like that's convenient.
0: Wow, so it's definitely not one of those communes that has no electricity if they're doing a, a Zoom meeting. Good to know. I saw,
3: I saw a documentary on, I think it was Netflix, where it was talking about like this thing called like twin flames. I don't. It's like a cult group where people like. Are, are forced to like fall in love with somebody. They, they just like you, you meet somebody for the first time and then you like online and then you are supposed to be like their soulmate forever. But oh. then this cult like charges you like 200 bucks a month to talk about your journey. It was very strange. Very strange.
0: <laughs> and speaking of strange, it's been a strange week in my fantasy league. So my accidental non rebuild continues and I made a decision. So after another week in which I held my own against one of the super teams, So I'm now still leading my division after six weeks, 10 games over 500. I said, okay, I'm going to have to start like slowly flicking the switch and maybe try to contend a little bit because my team's just not going away. So I decided to not make my first-round pick available, my third-round pick. So I immediately get traction. I end up trading yesterday. Quentin Byfield, Pavel Mintyukov, and the third-round pick, I got Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I add some veteran talent, buying low on Nugent Hopkins. And then... Things have started gaining momentum. I said, okay, well, now I traded my third. We're only allowed two pick trades per year. I said, I'm just going to put my first out there and see what happens. Five minutes later, I get Cindy Crosby for my first. So now I I don't have a first or third next year, except since we're only allowed two picks to be traded at once, the other GM had to give back a pick that he gained, which was a third. So I got my third back. Oh, cool. Or got a third back. And if you reacquire the pick. It's hard to explain, but I have the ability to flip that pick again now. And I'm not explaining it very well, but I just found a loophole. So now I'm able to shop another third round pick and gain another player. So suddenly I'm just I've gone all in. I've done a full heel turn. And just yesterday morning alone, I I added Nugent Hopkins, Crosby, and Dubois to my lineup and uh yeah now it's full throttle baby I'm, I'm going for it And of course i'm sure now that i'm going for it i'm going to start losing that's just the way it goes in fantasy sports everything's backwards but we'll see what happens well i was going to say
3: it's like you started this this season talking about like oh this is just the rebuild year and then you were winning by accident now you're going to try winning on purpose
0: yes and i even like i tried everything i had i had one pick in the first 60 i had the worst keepers that i told you and dom and you both mm-hmm. like laughed out loud mm-hmm. i traded all of them four guys for one player I traded two guys for uh, Miro Heiskanen. So I, like, I stripped down my roster. didn't matter. I just kept winning. So here we go. I'm going for it now. Uh, so let's, let's dive in, Stephen. Let's talk some, some uh, waiver wire picks.
3: First off, I've also been trying to acquire Connor McDavid in my pool uh, by offering some stupid trades that are unrealistic. But the point is, I'm offering guys that are getting like like JT Miller for Connor McDavid right now would be stupid on my part. But uh, I'm thinking long term, there keeper because mm-hmm. uh, the, we we don't have a keeper rule. A finalized step, but the goal that what we're looking at is either one or two players just for the first time to keep. Well, I've got Connor Bedard, so if I can also get Connor McDavid, that'd be great. That would just mean yeah. I'd have to give up Jack Hughes. So hmm, hmm. uh so we'll see it happens. All right, shallow league pickup of the week. Let's start with one of my favorite junior hockey players I ever watched, Owen Tippett, a guy with a great shot.
0: Owen Tippett, yes, great goal scorer, major junior. He was is it Mississauga that he played for? It was yes, yes. yes. Look at me. I sound like Pierre McGuire. Um <laughs> Owen Tippett, available in 54% of leagues. And last season, he was quietly pretty valuable had that stat profile similar to a Sam Bennett Joel Erickson neck where he does a little bit of everything with a good goal total had 27 goals 232 shots 125 hits so very useful as a deep league or just depth uh, addition to your team and was available on the wire for a lot of people this season I think people were slow to wake up to him because he had that slow start no goals three points in his first six games I think he got dropped in a lot of leagues but last Five games, five goals, seven points. So he's really caught fire. His 82-game pace, 32 goals, 273 shots. So that's really useful. His hitting pace is down to 59, but I'm not worried about that. Every other season in his career, he has been more than a hit per game. So I think that's going to normalize. And his goal-scoring pace continues to rise. And he's just firing a lot of pucks on net, playing on the second line at the moment. So I like him for even shallow leagues right now.
3: You and Pierre Maguire have the same amount of hair. So if <laughs> I saw you guys together, I'd be confused too. Who. Uh, <laughs> the Medium League pick up J.J. Paterka out of Buffalo.
0: Yes, J.J. Paterka, one of the next wave of Germany players taking over the NHL, 81% available. And I actually liked him going into the season as a breakout pick. I know it's a crowded depth chart in Buffalo with all those young forwards, but I figured Benson and Lavoie, long shot to stick with the team all year. We knew that Jack Quinn was hurt, so Paterka had a good chance to stick in the top six. And very similarly to Dylan Cousins the previous season, who broke out After he had some time the season before that at the World Championship, we know J.J. Paterka had a really good World Championship last spring, which often can be a harbinger of a breakout. And right now, playing on the second line, obviously, Tage Thompson is out. We're seeing Paterka on the top power play unit. He's got five, five goals, seven assists, 12 points in his past 11 games. Shooting at 17%, so that's a pretty high number, but it's not unsustainable if you're a good shooter. And the main thing is, J.J. Paterka, this is part of his profile even before the season. He gets to the high danger areas, which means you're shooting high percentage shots that are more likely to go in because you're around the net. His shots per 60, high danger chances per 60, scoring chances, everything, all those metrics, five on five are blowing up for him. So what I'm seeing in his profile is something that looks pretty sustainable just because he is the type of player who can get to the, I guess, high percentage scoring areas would be the best term. So I, I like this breakout to continue.
3: He had a great world championship for Germany, which it, I want to point out because, you know, the big topic right now about the World Cup of Hockey being, you know, four teams and being split into two parts of the world. And uh, I feel like a team like Germany would be kind of disrespected not being involved in that because just seeing the development, uh, we, you know, if we look at 2014, like Dreisaitl wasn't around yet and did Stutzla and Paterka guys like that cider like this is a, te- a country right now that means business when it comes to hockey and that's a good thing for the Buffalo Sabres the deep league pickup I, I, I thought it was pretty funny when I saw it I was like oh Martin pops is so really okay Calgary
0: yes and this is again yes very deep league available in 98% but this is more of a banger league alert mm-hmm. okay so he's playing on the second line and he's bringing a lot of thunder uh This stat that I wrote down, it didn't include last night's play, but in his previous seven games, he had three goals, five points, 21 shots, 22 hits, doing a lot of things well. And we know that in Calgary right now, we talked about Connors Area already on the show in a recent episode. They're kind of giving the keys to the kids and they're giving their younger players opportunities. So I think that we are going to see Paz contri- continue to get a, a, a bigger role, maybe not sticking in the top six all season, but maybe at least in the top nine. And he's just showing the ability to do a lot of little things. They're going to help you in category leagues, in deep leagues. So I like him... I added him in my own league, and he actually was pretty helpful for me last week. I think he was pretty instrumental in my matchup.
3: Cool. I like it. In the WTF pickup of the week, Robert Thomas out of St. Louis. I think, you know, a lot of people looked at kind of the beginning of the season. He wasn't so hot and maybe kind of just wrote him off, but he's like, come on. There's too many people that could pick him up right now.
0: Yeah, he's available in 41% of leagues, and he's a point per game player right now, 17 and 17 games, first line center. You can't really leave a player like that on the waiver wire. It's just, too productive, right? And I've someone I'm I've been very hard on Robert Thomas in terms of his fantasy value. Usually he's someone I don't touch because I think his stat profile is so empty. You get a lot of assists, a lot of points, no shots, no hits, but we're seeing a little change. So through his first 17 games, he actually had 40 shots on goal. That's 2.35 shots per game. His previous high was something like one and a half, not even close to that. So if Robert Thomas could continue to shoot the puck more, he's going to be getting more goals, more shots, and his stat profile suddenly doesn't look like empty calories anymore that's a reason to value him much higher going forward if he can sustain that even if he doesn't just the assist production point production makes him useful in most leagues at least for points he shouldn't be on the wire in so many leagues yeah,
3: I like that. All right, so this week we got a very fun special segment, and it's fantasy myth busting for 23-24, and I feel like this is going to be a staple of this, uh, this show going forward because I think it's a lot of fun. So I guess uh, your first myth is that Brock Besser is finally putting it all together. Is it a myth or is it truth?
0: Yes. Uh, Brock Besser, of course, someone who's been known as this goal-scoring prodigy ever since he came into the league, has that unbelievable shot, but also someone who never even... Hit 30 goals in his career, cannot stay healthy. It was always when is Brock Besser going to put it all together? He has a 40 goal shot. Why has he not done it? And now all of a sudden he rips off 13 goals in his first 19 games, scoring in that 19 game stretch on 26.5% of his shots. But if you look under the hood, he's the same player that he's always been. He, well, A, it's that high shooting percentage. Of course, so that implies that he's been very lucky. But also his shot generation is. The worst of his career. Fewest shots per 60 at 5-on-5 five five in his career to date. All his scoring chance generation metrics, everything's in line with his career norms. So he's really just the same player. The puck's going in more. That's it. It's puck luck. He's not doing a better job getting to the net. He's not getting more chances. He's got a lot of goals in the power play, so that's helping him for sure. So maybe we are going to see him finally get 30 goals, but the pace he's at right now is in the 50s. That's not going to continue. So this myth is busted.
3: Okay, I like that. If number two Cam Talbot will be an elite fantasy goalie all year. Personally, I never can trust that guy. You just never know what he's going to do week to week or whether an injury is going to show up. But uh, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, so through Sunday's action, absolutely a Vezina trophy candidate, 9.30 save percentage, 9.31 record. But Cam Talbot's 36 years old and he's only exceeded 33 starts once in his past five seasons. Has not started 50 games in a season even since 2017-18. So it's great for the Kings that he's playing so well. I almost wonder if it's going to hurt the Kings later though if they end up being too confident in Talbot being their guy when they really should be pursuing a better upgrade because I just don't think his body's going to hold up. He's had injury problems recently and he just hasn't had a workload anything close to this in recent seasons. And just given his age, to me he's a sell high. So once again, that myth is busted. It's,
3: it's funny when we were talking about Cam Talbot, you know, beginning of the year, he allowed four goals in his first game. He had a good second game, three goals, four goals, three goals. Like he was allowing a lot of goals early and that has started to st- stabilize a little bit but again I I have a hard time ever trusting Camtel based off of just what we've seen his career and then you look at his age too Uh, myth three Michael Matheson is a sell high
0: yeah Michael Matheson right especially last season it felt like he was a fluke he was often a punchline someone who had bad bad analytics when he was in Florida early in his career overpaid whatever you want to name the label there are many of them but they were all sort of at his expense now he's in his late 20s and it's like okay why is he suddenly breaking out having this giant role but if you look The role, the usage is not going anywhere. The Habs are pretty stripped down as a roster. He's still on the top power play. He's playing 24 minutes a night again. And dating back to last season, he's played 66 games with Montreal, 12 goals, 48 points, 175 shots, 66 hits, 120 blocks. That's really useful production across the board. He was on my team last year. He's on my team this year. I'm not putting him in any offers, because I don't think people believe in him. I think that he's going to continue this. This myth, to me, is not a myth. It's confirmed. I think Michael Matheson, at least for now, eventually he's going to lose that role, sure, when Lane Hudson comes to town. But right now, the haves don't really have many other options. They need him. So he's going to continue in this prominent role.
3: Come on, it's like, like Marc Andre Bergeron used to like shine for the Montreal Canadiens. It was because like they just didn't have anybody else that could play that role. Myth number four, Quentin Byfield is becoming a fantasy star. I wrote about him last week and we talked about him on the show last week too, about just how great of a year he's having. But is this for real?
0: Yeah, so it's for real in real life. I think that Quinton Byfield is inching closer to stardom. He's been tremendous, dating back to last season, playing with Anze Kopitar and Adrian Kempe on the Kings' top line. He's really racking up the points in his first 16 games, had had 14 really good source of assists. But if you look at his general statistical profile, it's sort of, it's funny. I was just talking about Robert Thomas. I think that Quinton Byfield is becoming the new Robert Thomas. He's barely doing anything except for getting assists. So in those first 16 games had three goals only 26 shots seven hits for the big man seven hits in 16 games it's just total empty calories there robert thomas 2.0 so in fantasy i actually think quentin byfield is a sell high which is why i did sell him high yesterday (laughs) that's my villain laugh just in case the guy that i traded him to is listening uh but it's the truth. I think that Quinton Byfield is becoming a really great real-life player for the Kings, but it's not necessarily translating into total fantasy value yet, unless you're in a league that's just pure points.
3: So it's funny when looking back at Byfield, and he was just this absolute scoring star uh, with York Semco Express. Like I think it was like year back to, year to year, forty-seven goals and forty-eight goals. Like everyone looked at him getting like a ton of great shots on net. And now it's more of a playmaker. And I think part of that is just looking at the rosters that Byfield played with at the time. Yeah, he had to do a lot of work because there was not a lot of NHL talent uh, or future NHL talent, except for one year when he played with Alex Newhook. But when it comes to Quinton Byfield. Uh, it's It's been fun watching them play, but uh, I liked your villain laugh. I will. <laughs> that was good. Myth um, number five Darnell Nurse is a bust. Someone in my pool just picked him up yesterday. Should he be happy about that pickup?
0: He should. Uh, so, yes, of course, it's been an ugly start for the Edmonton Oilers in general. Uh, I noticed that NHL.com's fantasy rankings, their top 200, doesn't even have Nurse ranked at all at this point. <laughs> um, and. The thing that people need to understand is if you're viewing Nurse through the lens of points only league, fair. He's not valuable right now. He's not a power play guy, but that's always who Nurse has been. He's never been a power play guy. His value has always come in banger formats. And even in this quote unquote down year, he's on pace for 15 goals, 205 shots, 205 hits, 179 blocks. He's the exact same player he's always been. What is the problem to me? The myth is busted. He's still very useful in banger formats. He's a great buy low, which is why I did buy low on him a few weeks ago. <laughs> You're an evil man. Actually. <laughs> yes, I traded, I traded him. I traded for him. I should say. Sorry. Yes, I bought low. Uh,
3: okay. Uh, that that that's it for all the the myths and the ones you busted and confirmed. I guess. So, uh, what's the tip of the week?
0: Okay. So this is a weird one because. It's a strange stance to say, hey, Twitter is so hot right now, it's where you need to be. It's the opposite of that. At the moment, X, whatever you want to call it, it's (laughs) terrible. Elon Musk is destroying that thing. It's going down, slowly sinking like the Titanic. That said, the weird algorithm that just seems to keep feeding you more and more personal information that's tailored to you is actually your friend at fantasy sports. I've noticed this, especially in fantasy football. It applies to hockey as well. Um, If you start just searching for updates, fantasy hockey advice, whatever on Twitter, that algorithm is going to start feeding it to you more and more. And I find, especially in football, I don't search as much hockey because I'm more, I am the source of the information in hockey, but in football, I'm just getting fed, oh, this player is coming back from an injury, pick up this player, all these advanced stats from fantasy experts. It starts just giving it to you. You don't even have to search anymore. And that algorithm can work in your favor for fantasy hockey as well. If you start doing those searches, you're going to find more and more of those tweets, just kind of arriving at your doorstep. And I do find that even compared to articles you read, Twitter is more instantaneous. It's faster for getting updates on call-ups, injuries, all that kind of stuff. Players that are activated, line combinations. So it does give you what can be an edge of five to 10 minutes over your competition and you can beat them to the waiver wire to make very important pickups. So Twitter, it sucks. It's the worst it's ever been. I mean, it was always accessible, but it's even worse now. That said, you can use it to your advantage. The weird invasive algorithm can be your friend in fantasy
3: not to go off on a tangent completely but there's a reason that no one has really adopted threads when was the last time you logged on to threads oh threads yeah and
0: i call that every time there's oh this is it everyone's this is where you find me so long everyone this is the last time no shut up It it, it never
3: happens and, and, and then Blue Sky, I, I stopped giving out like referral codes because I can't recommend it anymore. I'm like, this this website is so bare, nothing happens. There's nobody on here. And when you log into either of those two, it's mostly posts about people saying they're so happy they're there not on Twitter anymore. And then you look at their post history and it's like, oh, they haven't posted in two weeks. And you go yep. on their Twitter and they're posting every five minutes. Like, of oh, course. that's funny how that happens. Unfortunately, Twitter, whether you like it or not, Twitter X is still the place to be
0: yeah i'll believe it when i see it. When, it when it's actually gone i'll say okay it happened that's i won't believe it until then so steven next up we have a fun guest a first-time guest a fantasy expert one of the best chris Meany. okay next up we're very pleased to bring in a first-time guest someone we've been a fan of for a long time it's chris meanie ftn fantasy analyst and host chris how are you doing my friend great to have you on puck Poolies for the first time yeah,
2: you guys are fantastic. appreciate the invite. Uh, Matt and Steven, looking forward to chatting some hockey here. We got a good sample size. We're heading into Thanksgiving. It's usually when we see the pretenders and the contenders. So happy to chat some hockey with you guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of Thanksgiving, of course, it's a busy week, not necessarily in fantasy hockey because there's two days off fantasy football. Of course, it's a crucial day on Thursday. And, and Chris, I know you dabble in more than one fantasy sport, at least from what I can see on your tweets. So can you let, just sort of fill us in? I know you have uh, your hand in a lot of different things in fantasy. You're a heavy hitter in the fantasy world. So how did you kind of get to a point where that is your full time career?
2: yeah it wasn't something that I thought it would do Uh, I always definitely when I was younger I thought I you know I knew I wanted to be like a hockey reporter in the NHL some way whether it was writing or sideline reporting or on the desk and in 2004 out of high school I took a radio and television program and it was really tough for me to find a job I ended up actually moving to Edmonton Alberta I worked in the oil patch for a little bit and then there was a radio station that launched in my hometown in, in the East Coast in, in Nova Scotia. And I decided to just kind of take advantage of some of my connections that I had there. There were a couple of people that were working at that station that I went to college with. So I, I got my foot in the door as like a just a, a weekend DJ and then I worked into a full-time gig with some news and some sports casts. And then they took my sports reads away. They said no more sports. And that bothered me. I was like, what the heck? I'm not just going to sit here and, and talk news every other day with you guys. So I did more, I, more schooling, went to Toronto. Uh, I showed it to college of sports media, a great program. I was in year two and uh, Anthony Ciccioni, who's the vice president of Anthem sports entertainment. They own the fight network they just happened to be launching the first ever 24 seven fantasy sports and betting channel called FNTSY. I kind of just walked right into that it, roughly in year two. I just decided to make my own fantasy website with a few friends. And so I had a little bit of experience just writing about fantasy sports, mostly football. We're all hockey fans here, but football is King. Let's be honest. So I, I really had to to lead with football and, just kind of worked out right I, I started working at FNTSY in year two as an intern got the job in the summer did that for about five or six years and I've been bouncing around a little bit over at the athletic and fan tracks and and here at FTN Network so it, it wasn't something that I thought I would do Matt I, I didn't think that it would be talking fantasy sports or betting there's really no betting uh, going on about 10-15 years ago really uh, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty happy with where I'm at and uh, hockey is king for me. I, I love chatting chat NHL.
3: So Chris, big theme of this episode today is myth busting. So who's a hot start this season that you just aren't buying right now?
2: I got a couple, Steven. I'm going to start with William Carlson. Uh, really like the start that he's had. He's a fantastic player too. Looking at his five and five numbers, he's got seven goals. Only Kyle Connor, Connor Bedard, and Alex Brink had to have more goals than William Carlson at five and five. And over those five and five numbers, He's got 28 shots and he's got a 25% shooting rate. And at all strengths, he's got a 20% shooting rate. So he's off to a really good start. As I mentioned, he's got the nine goals and 20 points, Uh, a really good player with upside. We've seen it before in year one in Vegas, he had 40 plus goals. And that was this season where he had over 20% shooting rate. And then the next year we saw the regression. So, I mean, he certainly could keep this pace up as a 20-25 goal scorer, but, I mean, he's on pace to to be a 40-goal scorer again, and I just don't see it. Those first two years in Vegas, he had the misfits there in uh, Marcia So and uh, Riley Smith, and I I just don't think the line mates are as strong, so maybe a little regression. And this one, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, Vancouver, the fan base may come at me for this one, but Brock Besser, one of these Canucks, right? I, the start that they have had so far to the season and Brock Besser is a, a heck of a player 13 goals 22 points here in 19 games not to say that he can't have 30 goals but he's never had a 30 goal season he's never topped 56 points unfortunately injuries have slowed him down over the course of his career he has a 25 percent shooting rate and for his career at 13 percent. maybe this entire Canucks team 11 shooting rate as a squad at five and five there's only one team last year who had a double digit shooting percentage of five and five that was a crack in and we're seeing the regression with them this Mm -hmm. year at six percent the fifth lowest so those are two players that i would consider selling high maybe you ride this out with brock bester but it's it's clear the canucks are going to score some goals this season but william carlson you know i i would definitely make him available to my league mates
0: Love those picks, Chris. And Brock Besser earlier in the show, in our Mythbuster section, he was one of the players that we identified. We wanted to bust that same myth. So we're on the same page. Love the reference to Wild Bill. I always ride or die for Wild Bill only because he's married to someone from Bachelor Nation <laughs> as a reality TV person. So I have to support him, even though I, I totally agree with your take that there's major regression coming. Uh, so, an actionable story, we think, happened last week in the fantasy world when Barrett Hayton went down in Arizona, four to six week injury timeline. And it was a weird season for him so far. Really unlucky, still driving play on that first line with with Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, but not putting up many points at all, sort of snake bitten. And of course, the long-term perception has always been, it's only a matter of time until Logan Cooley takes that job permanently. He obviously has been one of the more impressive rookies so far, especially on the power play. But my question to you is, now that he has this golden opportunity, do you think he runs with it? Is he ready to be a full-time number one center in the NHL? Or, if you are a Barrett-Hayton old, uh, owner, can you still have hope that he's going to get that job back when he's returning from his injury?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. And, and I am a Hayton owner. He was one of my favorite late-round targets. He touches a lot of categories, especially those that play in leagues with you know hits and face-off wins and really snake-bitten to start the season. I couldn't believe that Keller and Schmoltz had eight points each and Hayton had nothing. And he was starting to get going before that injury, unfortunately. I would hang on to him. I think when he is ready to go he will get that job back but it's clear that there's an opportunity here for logan cooley i'm not 100 sure he's ready to go watching arizona last night it was the second game in a row where they had travis boyd on that top line and he did look out of place that that line at five and five had one shot. It was the fewest line of any combination that Arizona rolled out at five and five. They had three scoring chances and two high danger chances allowed, which was the most of any line as well. So it just wasn't working for them. And then they put Alex Kerfoot in the middle. They only played two minutes together at five and five. They created two shots but they also allowed a goal in those uh, those two minutes of five and five times too. So clearly not working for them. Uh, and maybe they decide to give the young buck an opportunity here. Some of his five and five numbers are, are not fantastic. He's just got the one goal and three points, uh, 22 shots. He's not even inside the top five on the team and eighth in, in shot attempts. But playing with Keller and playing with Schmaltz would certainly take his game to another level. So I would say that Arizona is going to flirt with that process, Matt. But I think when everybody's at full health, it's probably best suited for more balance up and down their lineup. Really like Michelli and and Krause and Bukestad. really like that trio, and what they have going on, too. So I think potentially there's an opportunity. And he's definitely available in leagues, too. Like, you could pick him up and stash him in redraft leagues. Definitely a hold and keeper in, in mm-hmm. Dynasty formats.
3: So one player I want to talk about is Eric Carlson. You look at him last year, gets 101 points, 25 goals, the best season of his career. And then this year, he's looking at a point per game. So a bit of a regression, but still 82 points, 82 games, uh, potential for 25 goals. That's incredible. So uh, given his age and injury history before last season, do you see him as a sell high?
2: I do, based on on name value alone. He was a fade for me. He's just going too early. I think a lot of people were assuming he could put up similar numbers. Moving from San Jose to Pittsburgh in that power play, And all those superstars, Uh, I haven't seen a ton of regression. I mean, a little bit, like you said, with some of the points, he's on pace for 80 as opposed Mm -hmm. to 100. Uh, The minutes have come down a little bit, almost 26 minutes per game in 24. But if you're playing in a league with hits and blocks, he's actually not even a top 15 defenseman at the moment. He's ranked at 18. He only has the four power play points. Now he is cooking over the last few. I mean, he's got uh, 13 or so over his last nine games. But if you had, let's say you drafted Michael Matheson late or you you're able to pick him up off the waiver wire. You have Noah Dobson in that type of format. He's defenseman number three. Uh, Travis Sandheim, maybe you picked him up off the waiver wire. Evan Bouchard is a top 10 defenseman right now. Like, If you had a really nice core of D, the other three potentially are, are top 10 guys, top 15 guys, and I definitely believe in Sandheim and, and Matheson, then I would make him available to my league mates. He's got the flashy name. He's linked to the penguins. Crosby's playing really good hockey. And I would try to get, um, you know, a forward. I'd like to get a forward. Maybe you can buy low on Jason Robertson. Um, somebody like that's been hurt. That isn't um, like Andre special is, is off to a really slow start Would like, maybe you could get special and something else. So I do believe he is a, a, a sell high candidate based on the name alone. But I also Steven think that,
0: He's gonna get fifty to sixty points if he mm-hmm. plays a full season. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about having guests on the show is they give me ideas, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna get an Andre setch trade offer when I'm done the show." But... Yeah, I, I I I always am just mining for for ideas. Um, so I'm curious, Chris. You know, we're at the six week mark. We're in week seven now of the fantasy season, and the sample size is no longer minuscule. It's not huge. There's plenty of time for players to turn things around. But I'm curious: is there who is uh, In terms of just the higher-ranked, I'm not talking can't-cut-list type players, but who would you say is the highest-ranked preseason player that you would be comfortable dropping at the moment? Big name.
2: Yeah, I I took a look at Yahoo the other day, uh, writing some waiver wire articles every Sunday at FTN Fantasy, and I, I list a couple players that you can consider dropping And one of the players that I talked about was Brent Burns. You know, Yahoo had him ranked around 65, and he's outside the top 300 at the moment. I just don't think he can be patient with a defenseman. Um, Four goals, eight points. Now... Four of those points have come over his last three games, so maybe there's <laughs> something here. Uh, but last year, 18 goals and 61 points. What I'm seeing from Brett Burns and other guys, Stephen, that's a little bit older, right? Uh, kind of like Carlson's had a great career, former teammates. He's done some really good things in the fantasy community last year. He's among the leaders in shot attempts. Uh, but two fewer minutes per game this season and 224 per game on the power play, which is the lowest he's had on the power play since 2013. They've had Tony D'Angelo on that top unit for a little bit. Dimitri Orloff, they've kind of tinkered a little bit with some of their players. And I mentioned Svestikov. I think the entire Carolina squad, when you look at the most dropped players in Yahoo, ESPN, Fantrax, wherever it is that you're playing, Svestikov, Martin Hes, Bunting, Jarvis, these guys are all getting dropped. And I think most of them, aside from Bunting, will turn things around and be valuable to you. But I'm not so sure about Brent Burns. Another guy, Patrick Laine, Johnny Goudreau. You know, line a was a healthy scratch. Does that motivate him and get him going? Injuries have been an issue for him over the course of his career. Goudreau's only got two goals and seven points in 19 games. He doesn't really shoot. He's not throwing his body around, so he's really hurting you in those leagues. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Jonathan Huberto, who's going lately as well, I would consider selling high on him. Uh, so there's a few players that I, I think that I don't know if they'll really turn things around and be valuable for you. So I'm a prospect guy. I follow the rookie race very closely. And Leo Carlson is
3: having one of the more interesting seasons. He's producing when he's playing, but he's only played 12 of the 18 games. So, you know, given the load management situation there, how do you navigate that as a fantasy GM if you have a small bench or even no bench?
2: Yeah, that's another really good question, man. What a player. He looks fantastic. His full display is his ceiling was on full display on that Hattie there a, a, a while ago. And every time I watch him play, he makes things happen. He he really does. But it, it's, it's tough in a redraft league to hold him. I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of streaming players. I like to grab guys that have four games for the week. I, I take advantage of my moves. I'm not dropping great players, but you know, if I had a bench of six or seven and I look at the busy nights in the NHL this week is off, it's a little different, but Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, is usually anywhere from eight to 12, 13 games. And you got to make some tough decisions. Leo Carlson's really not getting in my lineup on those nights. And then I just don't know when he's going to play. I mean, there's so far, there hasn't been uh, anything that they haven't announced like, oh, in a couple days, he's going to miss this time. It's not like they've, they've planned this it kind of just seems like maybe he'll play tonight maybe he won't play tonight and that's tough it's tough to trust somebody like that so I would move on from him in a redraft league I would definitely hold and be patient in the keeper in a dynasty league but I would first before dropping him because of the name and the skill set and the Ducks are playing pretty good the top six is, is very very intriguing especially when they get Zegras back just make him available to your league mates after a big game or two that he has here in a couple of weeks then maybe you can trade him. But I like to swap out guys that aren't playing on those Tuesdays and Thursdays in my lineup for guys that are on the on the weaker nights on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Sunday, guys that have four games. So get the most of your ads, and that's how you get the better of your opponent, especially in a rotisserie league.
0: Very good advice. It's funny, my league has no limit on transactions, so I just churn up oh, that wow. waiver wire, like like the like the ocean floor. It's like I usually have double the moves of anyone else in the league, and people get annoyed because everybody's on waivers, because I'm just, just churning that's through players. Smart. But yeah, that's the perils, though. It's the perils of having unlimited transactions. Uh, but Chris, this is tremendous insight. We absolutely would love to have you on again. And before we let you go, anything you want to plug?
2: Yeah, we got a hockey show over at FTN Network on our YouTube page with Eric Young. He's a pro wrestler, but he's a true hockey psycho. Uh, he loves to to stay up late and watch all the goals pile up. So um, usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays, as I mentioned, the big nights in the NHL called Dangle Bat It's also available on iTunes and Spotify. So we usually go around 10 a.m. Eastern on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We went yesterday because of the busy slate, and we'll go on Wednesday as well. But, yeah, this was a lot of fun, uh, really um love what you guys are doing and uh, keep up the great work and i appreciate it invite uh, i will always be there if it comes appreciate you guys
0: thanks so much chris really really good stuff thanks again to chris really great segment and steven the floor is now yours let's talk prospects and this is someone i've been pretty intrigued by based on what he did last season uh some record-breaking stuff with usntdp so what's the scoop on mr gabe perot
3: so Gabe Perot was a fun player. Uh, last year, he went out and set the record for most points in a single season with the U.S. National Development Team, uh, getting 53 goals, 132 points. He had to pass guys like Jack Hughes and Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, to go out there and break that record. One of the greatest seasons we had seen um, in the junior prospect from a long time. But there was a lot of concerns where you know he had two really good linemates in Will Smith and Ryan Leonard that admittedly he had to rely on a lot. Then you look at his U18 tournament, and he was the one that just kept producing. He kept putting points on the board was one of the best players in that tournament, too. Anytime he played, he was shining. But there were concerns about sometimes his compete level, his skating. And then this summer, watching him at the World Junior Summer Showcase, it looked like he put a lot of effort to become a better skater. He was a lot quicker. He could start, stop quicker. Uh, he w- If he got beat in a foot race, he wouldn't just give up. He put in the effort. But then going to Boston College this year, it's like, okay, well, he's going to play with Shockey, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard again. And on the power play, add Cutter Goche. Oh, my, this line is going to be absolutely stupid good. And it has been stupid good. But when you look at Gabe Perot's points, last year he was the goal scorer. This year he's only got two goals, but he's got 17 points. He's been the playmaker. He's setting guys up. He's looking, you know. Last year he would just he would stand around a lot look for that one timer and score. This year he's the one that's just feeding everybody. He's looking great on the power play. He's looking good in all situations. You know, I still think he's going to need to have a, a really smart playmaker to to feed him when he gets to the NHL. I still view him as a goal scorer, um, but the way that we've seen him just kind of play this year as a two way player, I have no problem penciling him in as a top six player in two years for the New York Rangers uh just a guy who's got so much talent uh knows what he's doing with the puck he's getting better away from the puck and that's going to become a lot more valuable
0: yeah I think he's a really good pick for the segment this week because if you look at what's happening long term with the Rangers Alexi Lafreniere is breaking out by Capo Caco we're going to talk about him later in the show he's going nowhere so there's going to be I think an opportunity in that top nine pretty soon if Gabe Perot is ready so very interesting pick and a name to remember in dynasty formats for sure uh stephen let's talk best bets now the best bet of the week and here i am i made fun of myself for doing a parlay being an idiot and i'm doing it again because okay we have the weird schedule this week we have the two games the two days with completely dark schedule so let's have some fun people get to do it in football on thursday you have your bets or your fantasy teams you're excited to see what happens on thanksgiving thursday well the nhl has its thanksgiving friday slate so how about a parlay of three games for Friday, okay? So we're going to start with the Chicago Blackhawks over the Toronto Maple Leafs because to me, that's a classic trap game for the Leafs. What we've seen with this Leafs identity, they get hot and then they ah—they sit back. They do this all the time. They do it with, even within the context of a single game. They get a big lead, they blow the lead. They're riding high coming back from Sweden. That's a big time change. They have to go through a time change again. They get acclimated. Then they got to go to the central time zone, which can be sneaky tough for your circadian rhythm. It's only an hour. It can really throw your body off. It's basically doing daylight savings, right? So it's a 2 p.m. start in Chicago. I think we're going to see a sluggish Leaf team get overwhelmed by Connor Bedard. So I like Chicago for that one. I like the New Jersey Devils to take down the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus is just an absolute clown show at the moment. Uh, I just don't know what the bottom is. Meanwhile, the Devils are getting some momentum you got Jack Hughes back you have Nico Heischer on his way back as well. So I think the Devils are gonna get hot and I think they're a buzzsaw for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The last one the Edmonton Oilers on the road over the Washington Capitals. The Oilers obviously They had a bit of momentum after the coaching change. Now they are starting to skid a little bit again, but I think they're going to have a lot of urgency taking on a slow Washington team. I think they can overwhelm the Capitals with their speed. So to summarize that again, the parlay, Chicago Blackhawks over Toronto Maple Leafs, New Jersey Devils over Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Edmonton Oilers over the Washington Capitals. Gobble, gobble, Thanksgiving parlay. Are you trying to suggest
3: that the Edmonton Oilers had deeper issues than just needing a coaching change?
0: Oh my goodness, who knew?
3: Gee, what a shock. (laughs) All right. right. Uh, Are you ready to do some questions? I'm ready, yes. All right. So remember, uh, the best way, typically, tweet us. Uh, You can see our names on Twitter. It's the easiest way to get a quicker reaction from us if you really need to know something, but YouTube works too. Uh, This one comes from Logan, who's been great with some questions this year. Uh, With the chatter of Lafreniere's progression in last week's episode, what can we make about Capo Caco's regression? One goal, two points in 14 games as of November 14th. Should there be concern over this? Now, this is November 21st. Out of curiosity, do you know how many points he's got?
0: I think he still has two points. If I'm not mistaken, I,
3: I think you know, I'm going to confirm this because I'm pretty sure that is correct. But uh, it has been a rough go for him. And The answer is three points now.
0: Okay, three points. But yes, I am extremely concerned about Kapokako. Um, and it's weird, because again, I've mentioned it before, but I did a lot of work on Kako when he was in his draft year talking to his coaches getting to know him through a translator doing a big story on him and they loved him in Finland. They were so convinced his coach was so convinced that he was going to be a dominant NHL player. Cause he did so many different things well, but, it's weird. It seems like he and Lafreniere are always in competition, even though Lafreniere is a natural left winger. The Rangers, of course, have been experimenting now with him on the right side because partially Kako is not giving them enough. So now he is Kako's competition. He's overtaken him for that top line or top, or, or top six, I should say, uh, left or right wing job. And that's pushed Capo Kako down to the third line. And it's tough. What really makes me nervous is. Kako is normally a player who does so many things well and is at least his, his underlying metrics for showing signs of life. But this year, everything, I mean, everything is cratered across the board. He's completely disengaged in terms of what he's bringing to the table and play driving, puck possession, generating chances, all of it, it looks terrible. So I feel like it's time to drop him even in deep leagues. And it, to me, he feels like a player who badly needs a change of scenery. I wouldn't be surprised at this point if he gets traded.
3: Okay, yeah, I, I agree. This is... That experiment should be over at this point. It's, it's it's not working. It's too bad. You know, look at the Rangers. Should be serious Stanley Cup contenders with the youth movement they had going on. And Vitaly Kratzoff was another one. It's just, it has not worked. This one comes from, I don't know how to pronounce this. J3BM2YX, a very catchy name. I hope that's your birth name. Uh, Joseph Wool or Jacob Marsham, of Points Leagues. Now, if you look at the surface level stats, Wool does have two more wins, if I'm correct, but their save percentage, a couple other things, are really close. Mm-hmm. You got one guy on a much better team, but another guy that's more likely to get more starts. So what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, that's the dilemma. This question, it sounds the, the name sounds like a, a droid from Star Wars. Um, I think it depends on your situation. If you need more immediate help in points leagues I think you go Jacob Markstrom he's just getting a much bigger piece of his team's pie in terms of the number of starts it's not even close um and Markstrom you know I don't think he's been as bad as last year he's still he's showing some signs of life the problem is overall the rate stats are still looking a little spotty maybe you're even hoping you're hoping that markstrom gets traded if a team is able to take on his salary and he gets a new situation like if you saw him in a devil's jersey or something something like that it could revitalize him but either way just on volume i like him more in the short term at the same time if you're thinking just long term if i was an owner of joseph wool i would probably reject the trade as strange as that sounds because i still think Wool, even though he's in an even platoon right now with Elias samsonov i expect wool will continue to gradually win that job and i think by the end of this season he'll probably be a top 10 goalie so if you need the help short-term markstrom long-term wool
3: okay i get like that hey dennis Hildeby's looking pretty good right now at the shauna marley so could he be the starting goalie of the future we don't know joseph Wool has had a, a good run though but uh again i i never trust Leafs goaltending ever but at the same time i can't ever trust jacob markstrom so there's that. Uh, all right. Starting a line of time, and you're going to be naming your pet peeves that make you judge a person. I think that was an interesting one. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yes, <curious>. great.
0: <laughs> I think I've been thinking about this one for a while. Um, so I would define these as if you do these things, I will think less of you as a person. It doesn't necessarily mean I won't be your friend, but it's going to have an impact. Like I will genuinely think less of you as a person if you're guilty of any of these things. Okay. Number six clapping when a plane lands on the (laughs) runway why are you clapping do your math you should be clapping when you walk to the supermarket because you're more likely to die being hit by a car so you defy the odds more by walking than by flying aka the safest form of travel you should be clapping for every uber driver clapping for every taxi driver clapping for yourself where because that is more of an accomplishment than being on a plane the safest form of travel in the world landing stop clapping. It's not a great accomplishment. I know flying is cool, but you shouldn't be clapping because you're so relieved that you're safe. Number five, uh, I call these weavers. I can't stand people who, if you're driving on the highway, they need to be weaving, constantly moving like they're in the Fast and the Furious. They think they're Dom Toretto. They're going back and forth, back and forth. They're just zooming, cutting people off left and right because they've decided that they need to get somewhere faster. And then you're in a traffic jam and that same car is like 10 seconds ahead of you gets them nowhere all they do is almost cause accidents so if you're one of those people who weaves i don't want to be in a car with you uh number four this is a classic one i feel like it would be on everyone's list speakerphone in public the thing you know holding the speakerphone (laughs) to your mouth everybody can hear your conversation you're yelling when you could just be holding it to your head or just speaking with headphones it's a weird exhibitionist behavior very obnoxious uh number three this one is annoying but also just embarrasses me uh, movie theater full volume talker. So, you're watching a movie, maybe it's a, a drama or a thriller, or it's a quiet scene, and somebody leans over to you and you're expecting a whisper, and they're like, I think he's the killer. And they speak in a full volume, you're like, Jesus, everyone can hear you. It's so embarrassing, it drives me crazy. So, don't be a full volume talker in a movie theater. Number two, people who believe in zodiac signs. <laughs> oh my God, we're both Leos. I knew that's why we we're gonna get along. What? You think we get along because you believe in the shape in the sky of the stars that line up in the shape of a lion and you're believing in that and that's your personality? You think that's why we're similar? It's embarrassing to me. So please stop stop believing in just things in the sky and that they determine who you are. Number one, my number one pet peeve of all. It's, this is, it's kind of embarrassing because it actually has come to be like a, a part of my actual personality, but my, my uh, loathing, of reclining seats on airplanes. I know the counter argument is the seats have the ability to recline. So no one's doing anything wrong. They're not breaking rules. That is true. But it's just, it's a dick move. When someone reclines to the point where you can't even reach, you can't even reach your own bag under your seat. You can't move your, or your food and your tray table is being pushed up against you. It's just rude, inconsiderate behavior. I had someone almost break my laptop once because he reclined so hard and so fast. He like caught my laptop And just smushed it and almost almost cracked. And I had to say, whoa, 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 whoa. So yes, uh, I can't stand seat recliners. And if you recline, that's fine. But just if I can't get to my bag and I can barely fit, I'm going to be rough. I'm going to bump my head against the back of the seat, my elbows as I reach down to get something. I'm going to make it a little bit uncomfortable for you because you're making it very uncomfortable for me.
3: Wow, I can't say I disagree <laughs> with any of these. And that was, this is my new favorite one. I'll add one other one um, for myself. Uh, and that is people who care about the color of your text messages, AKA the iPhone versus Android green oh, bubble, geez. blue bubble thing. It's freaking ridiculous. First That's off, okay. if you have an Android, you can change the colors to anything you want. So it all looks the same.
0: Oh, way. okay. Uh, it,
3: it, good thing that, uh, again, I like I like technology. Uh, Apple's getting RCS text messaging, which means this color bubble thing is going to go away eventually. So. Ooh. Okay, that's good uh, to know. Yeah, that, that means that iPhones are, are moving to this texting technology that wasn't designed for flip phones. So it's really cool. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's about time. But anyways, that's my, I, w-
0: I just rely on the color to tell me if someone, you know, if you're on Wi Fi, or if you're on data, and if someone's message turns green that has an iPhone, you know, that they're suddenly not going to be reachable for a while, or you know, that kind of thing. Have, have you ever noticed
3: that when a video comes through uh, from an Android phone, it looks terrible? Has that a, have you ever seen that? It's because iPhones use SMS technology that, again, was designed in the flip phone era. So they can't handle high quality videos from Androids. So Android people can text each other high video quality video. iPhone people can text each other high quality video. But phone to phone couldn't because of this stupid decision by Apple to make it so iMessage was the super important thing. So (laughs) I had to mention that rant because it bothered me.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I, I'm more of an iPhone person than Android, but I, I can understand the argument. It's a fair argument,
3: okay? Pixel and Pro here. Yes.
0: So that is it for this week's episode. I need a break now after my ranting over my pet peeves. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. We'll be back next week, and we'll see what's going on with our teams as we get through the big Thanksgiving weekend.